Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I am AJ Hayfley. He is Nathan Rudolph. We are back here, just the two of us today, not uh, not the circle of friends that we had yesterday. Nathan, what's up, dude? Not too much on my end, but uh, the hockey world seems to be getting down to business, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems like, all right, Stanley Cup Finals is over. Let's uh, Let's get to work. Let's do stuff. Buyout period began. A uh, handful of buyouts, Dion Phaneuf, Andrew McDonald already uh, in the books. And uh, we even we even saw, you know, uh, Red Kogudis for Matt Niskanen trade yeah, over the weekend. Some weird ones. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Carl Hagman somehow got somebody to give him four years on a contract. Yeah, so, I don't even hate that deal. I, I don't hate it at all if Carl, if it's like the good Carl Hagman. Right. Well, I mean, even if you get two years out of them, eating the last couple of years isn't that costly. But it's just his variance in play over the last couple of years has been so wide. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's where I'm. I'm like, okay, you're gonna give four years to a guy that has been very, very up and down the last couple of years because you know he was a he was a really valued depth guy a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm dropping 30 points every year uh, for the Rangers. And then he started moving around quite a bit, and things didn't go very well in Anaheim. They went okay in Pittsburgh, and then they went real poorly in L.A. Um, and, and then went really well in Washington. And so it was just kind of that up and down and up and down. And uh, so four years for that is... Uh, that's why I'm like four years for for a guy with that kind of track record is ballsy. Yeah, but I mean, I think the stability in Washington will help him for sure. 
It definitely well, and and a team like that where you know what your role is going to be every every night. You, yeah, you're comfortable with that. I mean, that's that's big for a lot of guys where they're not trying to be something more than they are. They can just go out and know exactly what their job is and work on doing that. And that, I mean, that does wonders for a lot of guys across the league. Yeah, for sure. When you have OB putting in 50 goals a night, two lines ahead of you, you don't have to ask too much of yourself, do you? <laughs> yeah, well, and it, I mean, we've seen them experience all kinds of success with uh, some depth guys the last couple of years because, you know, it's you're not asking a lot of them. You just drop them into third and fourth line roles and say, hey, we need you to just kind of go and do this. And, um, and then it, they have it's success, easy for them. And then someone else pays them too much and they say goodbye. Yeah, I'm <laughs> well, in this, I mean, in this case, you know, four years and $11 million. Yeah, that was some not not too bad. Honestly, like the the money we always talk about, hey, you don't want to be paying for depth. But if you're a team like Washington, that's been picking low in the first round all the time. Uh, and, you know, maybe you're not you're not churning out very many prospects in the last year or two. You don't feel like there's anybody on the way. I'm okay with doing that then. Yeah, I mean, if you the four years is a lot. He's it's a lot for a thirty year old grinder. But when you look at the AAV and realize that you're paying less for him than you are for Matt Calvert, and Matt Calvert just set a career high in points of twenty five. Right. That you're doing all right in that sense. It's just a question of how much, how long does he hold up? Yeah, and at 30 years old, and a big thing with Carl Hagelin is the speed element right. to his game. And exactly. as soon as he loses half a step, then he's, he's going to lose done. quite a bit of value. Yeah. Uh, if that if he holds up through through most of that contract, though, they're not going to have any problem with it. And that's the kind of that's the kind of deal where in its final year you can buy out very freely because yeah. it's going to cost you a million against the cap. Exactly. And you're just like, whatever. Like, you just move on from that one if, if, if that's the case. Um, don't think that'll be Seattle expansion fodder. I, th- I imagine they'll probably have better players to expose, but you never know. Um, the big, the real big news, though, Eric Carlson staying in San Jose announced today an eight-year contract. Yeah. For eleven and a half million, eight years, ninety-two million dollars, a full no movement clause, and a very interesting bonus structure. Yeah, it's kind of a curious deal, all the way around, isn't it? Everything about it—it's just a little weird. It's it's expensive for one. Uh, it surpasses the Drew Doughty contract uh, from last summer. Yep, and. The, the the salary structure of it, you know, we've seen guys get tons in sal in signing bonuses. We've talked about this uh, last week, actually, on yeah. on the pod that signing bonus heavy structures are the norm now. And for star players, it's easier to just they would rather just get uh, the big July first chunk and yep. move on. Well, the Carlson deal. <laughs> $53 million in signing bonuses, but weirdly, $40 million of that comes in the first four years in signing bonuses. Yeah, the the super duper can't lock me out play. Yeah, it's so he gets $11 million this year, 
Uh, so coming up here in two weeks, he's going to get an $11 million check. Uh <laughs> 10 million next year, 9 million in year three, 10 million in year four. And then it goes down to 1 million, 1 million, 5 million, 6 million, which when I initially looked at it, I said, okay, well, that means that by year five and six, the deal is no longer buyout proof. And you could consider buying him out because the salary is the money that you'll be spreading out. But with $11 million in the last two years of the signing and signing bonuses, it's not really buyout proof at all. It's no. it's just a weird structure. I I really don't understand why they made it that way. Uh, but this is premium, premium, premium money for one of the best defensemen in the NHL, certainly the most prolific offensive defenseman in the NHL over the last, I don't know, six years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, certainly in the immediate, he'll be worth every penny. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The eight years, there's certainly a question there of, of how that shapes up, especially with his injury problems. I think any eight year deal, even if you give an eight year deal to Connor McDavid, you're yeah. gonna you're you're taking a chance that nothing changes in a decade for a guy. Right. It's that's a long time to stay perfectly healthy playing a game like hockey. Well, in EK's case, you know Carlson finished the playoffs with all kinds of injury issues. And this has been going on for a couple of years now. Yep. uh, Dating back to Ottawa's playoff run two years ago that he's been dealing with all kinds of foot problems. And we've, you know, we've seen he, he missed 30 games this year. Yeah. It's, it's definitely seems to be starting to catch up to him. He's still a monster offensively, but, but he's not quite the defender he used to be already. I would say. I think that's fair, but then, you know, as you mentioned, 45 points in 53 games this year, 16 points in 19 playoff games. Uh, so it's it's not like the production has taken a huge nosedive here. The guy is still uh, yeah, a dominant offensive player. Yeah, for sure. He's You're signing this contract, especially for a team in the Shark situation where they're probably looking at their last gasps of trying to make a run at the cup. And you're saying he'll be worth every penny for us in the, over the next couple of years where we try to get over the hump and then we'll deal with the aftermath later. Well, and that's, this is the other element of it. That means, uh, San Jose is now at 12 and a half million in cap space. Yep. And uh, the list of players that they have still to sign includes Joe Thornton, Joe Pavelski, Jonas Donskoy, Kevin LeBanc, Gustav Nyquist, Timo Meyer, hell, even Dylan Gambrell. Yeah. And, you know, you can't even look at a guy like Gambrell and, and say, oh, well, that's meaningless. ELC's 700,000, 800,000, when they're, when they're as tight as they are, all of that matters. Yeah, it's... It's going to get real tight. I, you know, I can't see them not re-upping on LeBanc and Meyer. They're kind of the future of their team for sure. As RFAs definitely, and Timo Meyer is definitely a, a star for them moving forward. He had a 30-goal season, uh, followed it up, followed up a 66-point regular season with 15 points in 20 playoff games. He's in line to get paid pretty nicely this summer. He will be a guy that has to wait for all the all the big trees to shake out. 
uh, ahead of him. Yeah. You know, the 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 points and the Rantanens and the Marners and the Ajos, those guys all have to find their Set price the point for him for sure before bit, they yeah. can get Timo. But they don't have time. They, you know, and LeBanc is is a guy that you talk about had he had fifty six points this year. Yeah. You know, He's he awesome. Yeah, and and he had forty points last year, so it's not like this is a total aberration here. Uh, and nine points in 20 playoff games. It was rock solid for them. That's a that's a very valuable depth player, especially at 23 years old uh, uh, on a team that's, you know, that, that has plenty of older guys on it. They have an opportunity here to just basically turn everything over. They could walk away from both Thornton and Pavelski and commit to uh, an, a forward core that's almost entirely in its 20s now. Yeah. I I can't see them bringing back both the Joes and and maybe neither. Uh, Thornton's thirty nine now. They gave him the one year deal to make another run at it. I just don't know how much you can trust how much he has left. Well, and if he if he does come back, and, and he'll only play for San Jose, so it's not like he's going to go anywhere else, right? Uh, it's he's been productive. He's got fifty points in two yeah. of his last three seasons. Uh, he had 10 points in 19 playoff games. It wasn't like Joe Thornton had this huge fall off. You know, he's still he's still getting it done, but he will have to take a major drop from that five million dollar cap hit. Right. And uh, that's that last year. Always already a big drop for him. So, yeah. And so that's a guy that's going to have to he'll have to eat some salary. And I think that sacrifice won't be a big deal. But with Meyer, you could be looking at Timo Meyer getting six, seven million dollars. Yeah, I I think pretty easily, especially considering they gave Kane seven million, and he was what a fifty-five point player this year. So yeah, although that was a UFA deal, it is a UFA deal, but but Meyer is not gonna come cheap. Right, that's their their best hope is that they could trick him into a Tyler Toffoli like bridge deal. Yeah, where he goes two years at three and a half million or something. Right, and then they might actually have some room to do something then, but... Yeah, well, and I mean, that's the kind of deal that LeBanc should get. um, Yeah. Is is that is in that area, and then Meyer should get significantly more than that. But all of this is leading up to the conversation that we still haven't started yet, and that's Joe Pavelski. Um, One of the the guys, Matt Larkin from the Hockey News, put out and said, "I, I can't think of a better fit if Pavelski leaves San Jose than the Colorado Avalanche. And that sparked a lot of people to say, no, 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 he's old and bad. But Joe Pavelski's not bad. Uh, Definitely not bad. <laughs> it's fair to say that he is middle-aged. Uh, and Older for a hockey player. I'd yeah, fair. I think it's definitely, it's, it's, it's fair. It's fair to say. <laughs> uh, he's 34 years old. He turns 35 on July 11th. Um, good fortune is though, I believe that means he's not eligible for a 35 plus contract by like 10 days. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, it, when we talk about this, let's, let's dig into this. Pavelski is a fit for the avalanche. Your initial thoughts. Um, I've always liked Pavelski personally. Same. So it's definitely an intriguing prospect and I think Pavelski the player brings something that 
we actually saw Landis God get get quite good at that type of play last year, but it's something the Avs do not have much of, especially that net front type game. And the dude's a regular 30 goal scorer, even in his 30s, nearly 40 goal scorer multiple times. Mm -hmm. And the Avs need goal scorers desperately. Beyond that, he is a little bit older. You can put him on a second line where he doesn't have to be the man, or you can put him on the wing next to a McKinnon and a Rantanen, and he can kind of be that third player that just dumps pucks into the net while the other guys do all the heavy lifting. So from that standpoint, I do think he's actually a pretty good fit in the short term. There, The term is the big, big question with him for me, because you can't commit to anything significant there. At 34 years old, uh, I guess I'm I'm struggling to see where he's going to get a four or five year deal from someone. Yeah, I, if he's asking for that, it's a it's a hard no for me. Right, and for me, I think I think I would do I I would prefer two years. Definitely a two I, year a two year deal at pretty much any any reasonable amount of money. I wouldn't care about you know eight million dollars, whatever. Yeah, the Avs are in a perfect spot to give him a two-year deal, and the money just doesn't matter. Right, it won't affect the players that internally they have to sign basically at all. Right, and that's that's where I think even a, even a three-year deal, I think they could get away with it. Um, yeah, you're you're getting into a little bit of a different world with three years. Um, certainly, it's it's a it's a tougher conversation. Because by year the third year of that deal would be year one of a Landis August extension. It would. I might get a little bit of PTSD there as well. Well, and so this is this is the other thing. I we'll, we'll get to this right now. Then um, Jerome Ginla obviously left a, a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, um, yeah. and we all talk about oh what a disaster it was and it didn't work out. And the first two years of that contract, Jerome Ginla lived up to that deal. Yeah, he was certainly worth it in the first year, and at worst, close to worth it. Worth it in the second, and then obviously it all fell apart. But. Right. It all, and, and no doubt, no doubt that that happened. Like, not gonna, not gonna sit here and, and argue otherwise. But I don't, I don't think that. Look, the first two years of that deal went well for the Avs. It did, but it goes beyond that too. You look at older players that the Evs have signed in the past, like a Boschman, like a Brad Stewart. That was technically a two-year extension. But that third year very regularly has come back to bite them. It has, but Pavelski's also younger than those guys were. A little, not I mean, much. And I'm not saying, and but it doesn't have to be much because you look at a Ginla, had the third year been his second year in Colorado instead of his third year in Colorado, you're fine. That's fair. Uh, so that it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, you know how thin that line is there. It's a razor thin margin between effectiveness and not in the NHL. And with Pavelski, you know, this is a guy that is predominantly a wing, but he's a wing that takes a ton of faceoffs, yeah, and is good at them. And I think that, you know, and he's, and he's right-handed, which is a, a weak spot for Colorado right now, but in two years, maybe isn't, I think, I think so here's, let's say, let's just say that they, they do a three-year deal at seven and a half million. 
the the third year we agree you're really rolling the dice on what that yeah. looks like. But I don't think there's any doubt in the first two years that that's a good deal for Colorado. I I think that you can set it up that whoever you draft fourth, you can maybe give an extra year wherever they are. You know, obviously if they break down the door and they and they have a phenomenal season next year and they just it's obvious that it, that kid has to be in the NHL, then that's fine. Yeah. But it gives them the option of maybe saying, "Hey, we're going to go a little slower with that kid. We can wait another year." Right. And if there there are always ways around that, right? Pavelski if it he does fall off the cliff, I think will be a great candidate for the old long-term injury retirement home. <laughs> um, so there, if it, if it does come down to that at the third year, teams regularly find ways to, to weasel themselves out of those problems. Yeah. And I think he fills an immediate role. And I, I, I would also go, I would also like to put this, say this before I forget to say this, but this is not something I think the avalanche should make a priority no. in free agency. Still go after Artemi Panarin. Still go after whatever they're whatever they want to do. But knowing, you know, none of us have been expecting Pavelski to be on the open market. But when they signed Carlson and they put that cap crunch on themselves, it opened this conversation up. You know, you remember uh, speaking of Francois Beauchemin, nobody expected Francois Beauchemin to make it to the market that year. Everybody yeah. thought that he would just re-sign with Anaheim and that would be it. And when they would not do it they would not give him the third year that Colorado gave him. Um, he, you know, he, he came, yeah, he left. And that's, you know, that's, those things do happen. And with Pavelski, he provides a lot of things that the abs don't have. Uh, you know, that's another, it's another guy with a lot of experience, a lot of leadership. He's been the captain. Um, you know, I know he had the concussion in, in the postseason, but, this is a guy that's been very, very healthy throughout the duration of his career. Uh, he's played, you know, this last year where he missed seven whole regular season games is the most he's missed since he was 26 years old. Right. It, I I agree with you on the fact that if you can get a Panarin or maybe an Anders Lee or one of the top end free agents, you, you do that way yeah. before you go for Pavelski. But Pavelski, you start looking... He that offers. He go ahead. He he offers his own advantages, though. No, I I agree one hundred percent. Like he, an Anders Lee, you're giving a six year deal to, and you're hoping that he ages as well as Pavelski did. With Pavelski, you're only worrying about two years, and yeah. you know then the then then whatever happens in year three, you know you buy it out, you move it, what whatever, like whatever right. happens. It's it's but, a push for right now right and it's and it's two years and so you're not giving up any future flexibility you know you're still able to sign kale mccarr you're still able to sign landis you're still able to sign tyson berry do all these different things that you want to do knowing that that contract is not going to burden you for any kind of length of time and if you know two years from now that opens up you know i've in the example i gave that opens up seven and a half million dollars for you to go do something else even yep. if that means just re-signing your own guy. And then you can have the fourth overall pick from this year ready and waiting to come in and take that job, to come in and, and fill whatever role that is. Um, you know, or or whatever. You know, that that's your your top six guy 
that you can have him come in and and take Pavelski's spot, and it's it it's very easy. Like you're replacing a seven and a half million dollar guy with a guy on an ELC. It it's well, just a natural fit, you know. Like it's it's it, very easy to to make the puzzle pieces fit. If you're looking at giving an Anders Lee a six year deal, you know you're dealing with six years of that contract. Right. It's even going beyond replacing him with an ELC. If you get Joe Pavelski for two years you're getting a 60 point player or you're assuming you're getting a 60 point player for the next two years. And when you look at that compared to some of the other depth free agency options, we've talked about a Marcus Johansson, uh, Michael Furland, right. Pavelski could provide more than that. And two years down the line, when his money is freed up, you can get those 40 to 50 point players almost every year on the market. And I think a major component of this as well is that, it would e- it would either allow Landeskog to move to the second power play unit, yep. or he could move to the second power play unit, or he could be on the top power play unit, and you could just load up and have two of the premier puck tippers on the same unit on uh on a team that loves to shoot from the point. Yeah, that that you just that'd be pretty silly if you have McKinnon and Ranson and loading up in either circle and Landy and Pavelski just swapping roles in front of the net. <laughs> that right. goalie would never see anything. Right. And and like the the fit in call, I mean, like he's never been a good skater ever in his entire life. So in that way, he's an obvious, you know, okay, well, Colorado's trying to they're they're building their identity around speed and blah, 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 blah. But the guy is still a great hockey player and wildly effective. And while you don't expect the 38 goals from last year, I would not be asking for that. I'd be asking, I would sign him under the assumption that he gives you 25 goals and yeah. 35 assists. Exactly. If, if you get 60 points out of him, you're calling it a win for sure. Right. And the the extra added bonus, he's right-handed, which they need a little bit more of in their forward yep. lineup. And uh, the, the face-off ability. He's a guy that wins. He's got a 55% uh, face-off winning percentage in his career. And I've said you don't pay for face-offs, but... You're not here. It's just an added bonus. It's just one more reason why it makes sense. You don't give him a four-year deal under any circumstances, but a two- or three-year deal, if you can get him on a two-year deal, amazing. I don't think that'll get it done, but if you can get him on a three-year deal, and hey, maybe the third year goes well. I mean, we don't know. It should, right. Like, we don't know. It's fair to assume that a 37-year-old who's not a great skater already – probably won't age particularly well, but his avenues of success are things that are not going to get worse with age. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's, it's kind of funny too, because he's a complete abs killer. Oh, and this is the other, the, like the other, other part of it is that you weaken direct competition for the cup. Yep. Because there's no way they're replacing Joe Pavelski. Like keeping yeah. keeping the guys that they have around, that's one thing. But they're probably going to lose Pavelski. They're probably going to lose Nyquist. Like they're losing serious talent off of their forward core that they're not quite ready to replace because they traded for Eric Carlson. Because they they put you know their first round picks. They don't have any first round picks in the next two years. They traded their first round pick from. Uh, from the from two years ago in the uh in the deal for Carlson and some of their young forwards, like they've given up so much talent that they're all in, and this is a this would be a direct cut to them. Yeah, you even can, 
re-signing Carlson cost them an extra second too. Just so. swap Pavelski <laughs> in in to Game Seven for put him on the Avs instead of the Sharks, and what happens? We don't know, but you like the Avs' chances. Yeah, you got to think the Avs look a whole lot better. Then. Well, and certainly he doesn't get he doesn't get the goal right away. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not very often that you get an opportunity to get a player of Pavelski's caliber. And I do see the similarities to Aginla, but I also wonder if you put Aginla in a situation where that third year isn't on a team that was just one of the worst historically ever. Right. Maybe he gets by. Maybe he's not great, but but you can function with that in your lineup if you have a team around him. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like it's it's a way different environment. It's a way different situation. This the Abs are hoping that they're not looking going into free agency asking Jerome again. La, hey, come help us make the playoffs again. This is hey, come help us win the Central Division. Yeah, exactly. So a very interesting concept. Again, not something that it should not be plan A. That should not be their first phone call when the tampering period opens next week. But I think it should be a phone call. They should they yeah. should definitely be in touch. Um any any final thoughts on uh Joe Pavelski? Uh on Pavelski himself, like I said, it, if they don't do anything with crazy term, I'd be happy with it. I love his number two. Number eight's one of my favorites, but I guess that's Makar's now. So they'd have to change it. Or Makar would. They might have to give it to Pavelski. Oh my God. And then my dream can come true of Makar wearing nine. (laughs) So there you go. The truth comes out on why AJ wants this to happen. (laughs) I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, there you go. Uh, Okay. Let's go ahead and wrap up segment number one here of the BSN Avalanche podcast. Presented by Total Beverage. Uh, We'll be right back. All right. Going to pay some bills now, and we're going to start with some game-changing coffee. StravaCraft is a CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so make sure that you check them out. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use promo code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. Welcome back in segment number two here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Hi, I'm AJ. He's Rudo. We are here hanging out. Switching gears from free agency back to the draft for this week. Rudo, how excited are you for this draft? Man, I'm too excited. It it just doesn't go away. It keeps building. It feels like it's been forever and it's time. And I mean not I mean not not only that, like that the it, we've been talking about it so much. Yeah. Over the last month and it's just like, wow, it's, it's finally almost here. Yeah. All my all my schemes and theories can get blown to bits finally. Right, all of the uh, all of the the machinations that we have on how this is going to unfold uh, this weekend, and we'll we'll see. You know, they'll use a seventh round pick on a Russian guy 
nobody's ever heard of. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which, hey, cool. Why not? Uh, we are going to shift our focus on this one back to the draft. It's draft week. I'm sorry. That's just, it makes sense. That's what we're going to focus back on. We spent all of last week talking about everything but the draft. So we are shifting our focus uh, this week back to the draft itself. Bob McKenzie's uh, vaunted notorious list of top prospects came out today. Were there any major surprises for you? I don't know if there was anything that really, really blew me away, but seeing Dylan Cousins not only back in the top 10, but at six was one that I was, I was a little surprised by for me. He's very squarely the third of the three WHL forwards and they have Krebs all the way down at 10. Now Krebs did have that injury, mm-hmm. but I still struggle to put cousins quite that high. Yeah. And definitely ahead of Zgross and Pud Colson. I yeah. gave my head a shake there on that one. I, just disagree. Um, you know, this McKenzie's ranking is a, is an aggregate ranking of 10 different uh, people that he talked to. So you know that it's not isolated support. Right. It, clearly there is something these guys are seeing out of cousins that they really like that. I'm I not. think when it comes to cousins, I think the, there's a, there's a lot of value in his safety. I think that the yeah. Cousins is pretty I pretty safely like a surefire NHL player. His his size, his speed are going to be intriguing to anybody um that he you know, he plays a physical game and he doesn't have any question marks about his motor or work ethic or anything else. I he's a very clean solid all-around prospect that I think we, you know, in this in this process we maybe have overlooked a little bit just because he is that safe. Um, I, For me, he's not on the same level skill-wise anywhere close as a guy like Doc or Zgross or even, certainly even Pod Colson. Uh, but I definitely see that some of those other guys have bigger red risk. flags. Yeah. There's, yeah, risk is a great, that's a perfect word for it. There's, there's risk that Cousins just doesn't carry. Um, I think the upside is higher, but when you're in a top 10, if you're in the bottom half of the top 10, you know, and you're sitting there at seven and you're saying, okay, well, pod Cole's in with all of his question marks versus cousins with his lack of question marks, which one am I going to prefer? And it might be cousins The the team might just say, Hey, we want to go the safer route. That's what we're interested in doing. We feel like we have to get an NHL player out of this pick, no matter what, even if it's not necessarily the best one. Okay, I can I can understand where they're coming from. I can understand I in that example why Buffalo would feel that way. Um, so I I get that. I was also surprised by Cousins though. Yeah, I, I guess that does make sense. It, it it's just that you know everybody hammers into the idea that you take the best player available, and from a ceiling standpoint, I I certainly don't believe that's Cousins, but. But you're right. Absolutely agree. For for an organization that maybe doesn't have as big a need to really knock one out of the park, maybe they're content with a just a solid NHLer. And as much as the NHL loves guys who are good all around, do everything, and are really high character guys, 
seeing Krebs and Boldy where they are surprises me quite a bit as well. Yeah. I've, I've always loved Krebs. I always think he's, he's been underrated down there outside of the top 10. I, I really, I really think someone is going to get a, a gem out of him there. If, if that's where he stays, I, I do assume the injury had a little bit of something to do with that, but yeah. And, and all things, even this guy's not coming off an Achilles injury. Right. It's Boldy is an interesting one to see that low as well, because he was getting some of that late U uh, S national team hype that, it seemed like Zegers was also getting, and, and there were a couple of guys that we'll, we'll talk about Caulfield in a bit, I'm sure, that were rising very quickly, and now it seems like they're kind of settling back down to to where they were. Yeah, it's, it's certainly interesting to kind of watch as this process goes, and we knew that with this forward group uh, between, between Turcotte and really Boldy, that it was going to be very fluid. fluid. Yeah. Yeah. And Caulfield is the one that kind of broke in, uh, you know, kind of, kind of crashed the party a little bit in this ranking, but otherwise these are, these are the guys three through 10 that we expected to see. Yeah. I, I think it's all the right players. A couple of surprises in the ordering that we, that we've mentioned, but you never know too on draft day someone's going to jump up. Someone's going to fall like it always does. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It'd be fun to, maybe we should have done this as better uh, show prep, but we should have looked at last year's and seen where guys got actually got taken. Yeah. That would have been, would have been interesting comparing the, the scout rankings to reality. Well, one of the big risers, I think here on this list, Spencer Knight at 12, we've heard a little bit about, um, uh, I've been talking last week or two weeks that I felt like he was going to go somewhere in the top 20 and that this was not just empty hype that this was, this was just, Oh, he's in, he's a good goalie on a great team. You know, this was not bloviation here. This was people really love this kid. Yeah. It's we've talked before about how, uneasy it is when it comes to drafting goalies and things like that. But, but a way that goalies can prove themselves beyond what they do on the ice is the combine and Knight went in there and was just an animal. He was incredible on a number of the actual physical tests and, and apparently he just slayed at interviews as well. So. Yeah. um, Definitely, definitely did work there. Um, is he really, I mean, is this really going to happen with Spencer Knight? This is the, this is going to be a mid first round pick. <laughs> uh, it, it seems like it's trending that way. I'm still not a fan of the abs taking him. I wouldn't do it, but somebody will. I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think we're at that point, man. Um, where we're looking at it. The other guy that I, I briefly mentioned there that kind of crashed this party, Cole Caulfield, really in the top 10. Yeah. A guy that's five foot seven. I mean, how far has the NHL come that a five foot seven, 160 pound guy is in the top 10 of the draft ranking the week of the draft? Yeah. It's, it's a little bit of a different world there for him <laughs> to be even in the conversation at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
Kyler Yamamoto a couple years ago, uh, similar size, was a first-round pick by Edmonton. But it's a little different when you're talking about drafting a guy 22nd. Yeah, it's very, very different. It's also a little bit different when you have a guy who scored 72 goals. So Right. <laughs> Although the way that the U.S., they tabulate those goals. I know, it's silly. but It's weird. Well, and, and 72 goals, but he had 100 points. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this like these are extreme Cy Young numbers. <laughs> right. He, he does the one thing, and he does it all the time. Yeah, and I I do think it will be interesting. I still I still have him earmarked as a guy that I will not be surprised come draft day if he's fourteen or fifteen. He's still yeah. sitting there on the board. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised to see him slip a little bit deeper. That's definitely a guy you would you would tag as okay if Cousins is safe. Caulfield is not. Yeah, I. It's. <laughs> It's funny because I I feel the same way about Pud Colson. Like, I think there's going to be, he's going to have spots that love him. But if he's not the number one guy on their board and they pass on him, I think he's, he's got the potential to drop for a while. Yeah. I don't think he gets beyond Florida, though. I can't imagine that happens. Even though Florida absolutely positively does not need another forward. Like the last thing they need to do is draft another forward. But if he if he got to that point, they would have to take him. And it would continue their Russian pipeline. You know, they've got Dadanov, they want to sign Bobrovsky, they're gonna make a run at Panarin. Um, they've got they drafted Denisenko last year. They're they're building up a pretty hefty group of Russians as it is. They might uh the that's why that's one reason I don't think they would have any issues going with Pod Colson. Uh, the Russia factor would not apply at all there. It's just an organization that doesn't doesn't need another forward. They're so loaded at that position prospect-wise that it's just like you don't need to keep doing this. Yeah. There would have to be some some interesting asset management going on there at that point. I think it's fascinating that By- Bowen Byram is the third-rated player on this list as a defenseman. And Victor Soderstrom is the second best D all the way down at 14. But this is where the big glut of D is. Yeah. 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. All defensemen. Yeah. It's a it's a big second tier of D this year where we've seen Cider and, and now Harley are the two that have really come up into that group late. And apparently York is the one that is suffering from that. Yeah, and we'll we'll get it we'll get to that a little bit next segment, but when we're looking at this list and we're, you know, there's no way that the NHL with its fascination and its love of of drafting defensemen, there's no way that it plays out like this. No. With I, with Byram going in in the top half of the top 10 and no other D going until the middle of the round. Yeah, it's a team always reaches in the later half of the top 10 for a D some team that just desperately needs one. Well, and you can, you look at Anaheim. Yeah. Anaheim is, is dying for a reinfusion of talent on defense. You look at Vancouver, Vancouver, absolutely. Well, Vancouver still needs everything, but Vancouver definitely could use another defenseman. Uh, you look at Florida. Like I was just saying, they don't, yep. they absolutely don't need another forward. They need a defenseman. Arizona needs defensemen. Um, I, I, 
I struggle to see that it, it would kind of play out this way. Uh, I'm not surprised to see Alex Newhook end up where he did, though. I think yeah, he had such a, a strong year, and then I liked I liked his U18s. I thought he looked good. I thought he looked really raw, but the flashes of high high end stuff that he you see from him, it, it's for real. Yeah, it, you know the kind of package you're getting out of a player playing out of junior A with him, but but you see that high end skill for sure, and and some team is gonna fall in love with that. Yeah, and the the he's a fun story too, being yeah. a being a Newfoundland kid. So, um, I did happen to pull up uh, last year's list while we were doing this, and I do kind of want to. Run, run through, through it. it. Yeah, oh, just yeah. really quickly. Yep. Um, first of all, he had Martin Cout at 16. Bang on. <laughs> Does he have the Av Scouts on his panel? <laughs> some some interesting ones here, though. Um, Ty Delandria, he had at 23. Mm-hmm. We saw Delandria get drafted Thank by Dallas yeah. at 12 or 13. Barrett Hayden, he had at 11, and Barrett Hayden was taken fifth. Uh, Vitaly Kravtsov, he had at, t- at 12, and he was taken ninth. Uh, Ty Smith, he had at 13. Ty Smith dropped down to 17. So not major differences here. Uh, Dobson, he had at 6, and Dobson managed to go all the way down to 10 or 11. I can't remember which order that the Islanders took their guys. Um, And then you have some some of the bigger ones here. Oh, yeah. Joe Valeno at 14. Yeah. You know, and we knew Valeno was going to be a faller, but yeah. And uh, Jay O'Brien at 34. And Jay O'Brien ended up being drafted in the teens. Oops. So Nicholas Bowden at, at 39. He was drafted in the, the I think he was drafted like, yeah, I think 28 by Chicago. Yeah. So, uh, and Jacob Bernard Docker, 46th, drafted in the first round. Yeah. So, you, you can kind of see there, when you're taking the average of the scouts, it doesn't account for when certain teams have, have a player that they've fallen in love with. Yeah, and a guy, you know, you look at uh, similar guys this year, a guy like Caden Korzak, I think, is tailor-made to jump into the first round. Yeah. You know, good size, good skating, good, uh, you know, coming from Kelowna, a good defenseman factory. I mean, everything about it is, it just screams like this is, this is an easy Lassie Thompson as well. Same thing. Although he has McKenzie has Lassie Thompson already in the first round. So yeah. last, uh, last surprise for me, a little bit further down the list. Um, Alex Vlasic at 29 really surprises me. Uh, big, 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 big boy, but very much an old school throwback kind of defender. Uh, puck skills really leave you wanting, but he's got great size and he does have good mobility for a man his size. Uh, he just leaves you wanting a lot in terms of his ability to move a puck. It's a very old school. At 29, I just feel like you're you're drafting for the wrong era yeah honestly i wouldn't even want him at 47 i wouldn't either but there's always teams that think we can get the big guy and we can get something out of them and if you do 
you end up with a, a Chara, and that's that's a grand slam. So, yeah, absolutely. It's just that we've we see these big guys get taken all the time. Yeah, and how many of them are there in the in the, in the NHL? Not many. I mean, they just. You know, I mean, uh, uh, Zadorov is out there, but, you know, right now you could make the argument that he's a tweener for Colorado. He's a, he's somewhere between their second and third pairing. Yeah, it's unless they're just an absolute freak where they have hands of a person six inches shorter than them and skating ability as well. It's it's really hard to to see them being talented enough to break into the really upper echelons of the league. Yeah. Um, it's. It, it is interesting to compare and contrast though. You just with the forwards, it does seem like the modern thinking is a little bit more there. Caulfield in the top 10. You have absolutely guys that are five ten, five eleven on the forwards that are rising up of lists and then you look at the risers for D cider six foot three Harley six foot three Vlasic six foot five they there still seems to be a contingent of people that lean on size especially on the back end yeah and I mean Matt Robertson uh, at 25 that the the Edmonton defender is yep. again like a more of more of like your old school uh you call him like a do-it-all defender, but he's not a guy where you're expecting the offense to really translate yeah. for you very much. Yeah, I, I have serious questions about his offensive upside. Yeah, and he was a guy that I loved coming into the season, was Matt Robertson, and I just, by the end of it, I was like, he's a second-round guy for me. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go ahead and wrap up this segment. We'll come back on the other side, and we'll talk about some of the guys that are way down on this list that really surprised us, because there definitely are some, including... A goaltender that a lot of people really, really like. Yep. So don't go anywhere. It's the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm remembering as I'm saying all this that I have to pay some bills today. (laughs) Which means that I'm going to tell you guys about the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now, go to their website, mygreensolution.com, order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online, and head to the closest green solution for pickup. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now that will do it for this segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will be right back. And welcome in third and final segment here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I am AJ Hayfley. It is Monday when we're recording this, and it's why my brain is not working properly today, as I've been all over the place. Nathan, I've noticed a, a couple people around me today have have had the same problem, and I keep I've I've been resisting the urge to call it a case of the Mondays, but uh-huh. it really. It really does feel like it, man. The Garfield curse. Yeah, I oh man, that lasagna sounds dope. <laughs> I I was watching uh the I was watching the new Netflix uh docuseries last night uh, about the Central Park Five. Mm-hmm. And I just could not escape this craving that I had for root beer. 
See, I, I don't know what it was. I was just I watched it the whole time and I was like, God, this really makes me want root beer, and I don't know why. I've never liked root beer. I that's a monstrous thing to say. Oh, if you don't like that, I don't like chocolate. Oh, I don't either. So Okay. Yeah. There are a couple of us out there. Yeah, I'm I'm eh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not about that. Um, like, I'll. I'll eat it occasionally. I'll have it, but it's got to be like with others. I can't just right. Like, exactly. Raw chocolate. Yeah, no I thanks. cannot just straight have it. I agree. Ugh. Now everybody's turned this off now because they're disgusted by our uh, our insolence, yeah, dislike of chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> We uh, we're gonna get into some of these guys that uh, on Bob McKenzie's list today that we're surprised by that are way down there, and I yeah. think I'm gonna I'm gonna start with a goaltender as T's last segment. Mad Sogard, widely considered the second best goaltender in this class, ranked 80th on this list, and uh, if my counting was correct, the fourth goalie. Yeah, I, I was surprised to see a couple pass him. But it's uh, this happens every year with the goalies. They're they're so volatile, and there always seems to be shakeups. Last yeah. year, Miftakov was the third ranked Euro goalie, I think, and he, he didn't even get drafted. Yeah. yeah, crazy. So I don't know if that's just a goalie thing where it it does seem like people select their favorites a bit more when it comes to goalies, and there isn't quite as set of a list. Yeah, and, and you see guys that just no one fell on them as their guy, and down the list they go. And they just keep tumbling. And I mean, for, for Miftikov to have fallen out of the draft entirely last year was, I think, a, a little much. Yeah, probably to the extreme there. but Yeah, um, but also, uh, he's he's not the only Russian on this list either that... Uh, as far down as he is that I'm shocked by, but Pavel Dorofeyev. Yeah. That 82. I don't understand that one. That's a guy. If he's, if he's at 47, Colorado should just pick him very, very, very strongly consider taking him. And. I, yeah, that's tough for me. I, I, I wonder a bit if the scouts that were interviewed are, are for teams that just don't draft Russian much, but you're looking through the list and you see plenty of guys, Nikolaev at 50, uh, you have Gutik down here at 60 something. There are other players that played in the MHL. So mm-hmm. I wonder maybe they know something we don't. Maybe Dorofeyev wants to stay in the KHL for a while, but that's all just speculation. So I'm I'm at a loss how you could justify him at 82. Yeah, that it would be really hard for me to pass him at 47, and if he's there at 63, you just do it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely, yes. I'm yeah that that one blows me away. Um, he's uh, he's got your guy Alexandrov here. He does 69. Yeah. That- that's probably fair. Like we said, he's probably more of a guy you'd be looking at at 63. I like him at 47 for reasons I've already stated, but mm-hmm. 
I I understand why he is where he is on that one. I'm I'm not going to nitpick that. Well, I'm right behind him, a uh, guy that I liked in Pistola yeah. yeah. at 71. I'm surprised these could these two guys are this low. I really am. I I think both of them are guys that are solid top 50 talents. And I'm I'm surprised to see them all the way down here. Yeah, they're there does seem to be a little bit of, of a decline in, in those type of guys. Alexandrov is different being from the queue, but, but you do see guys like Holmstrom that we've talked about. You know, we thought he was a contender for maybe the late first and, and he's ranked at 43. So maybe some of these zeros people are, have been digging into a little bit more and, and aren't quite as confident in. Yeah. And then, but then you look and you see guys like, Vladislav first yeah. off. Yeah. 46. Mm. I think first off is an intriguing talent. That's a third round player for me. Yeah. There there does seem to be a, a surprising amount of USHLers outside of the, the national team that have been mm-hmm. on the rise as well. So so that is a bit interesting. That's a league that I uh I don't trust much. We'll put it that way. I've always been a big USHL watcher and you would think I would be all over this year's class. And I'm really not. I'm, I'm down on a lot of the, a lot of the USHL guys this year. I'm, I say down on like right here, like at 47 drew Hellison. I'm that's way too rich for my blood. Yeah. I way too rich. I'm, I think drew Hellison's like a fourth or fifth round guy. Right, You're talking about, outside the top hundred maybe. Yeah. Um I am that is a that is a player that I have absolutely missed the boat on. Uh in terms of how Yeah apparently how 10, 10 NHL teams feel about him. Well I, I do wonder if how much of that is just oh he was on this insanely good national team this year so they all must be great. But I would say there's no way an NHL franchise operates that way, but I know exactly how stupid they can be sometimes. <laughs> so I honestly, I won't even put that past them. <laughs> that's uh, that's concerning, but it's, it's a strange thing. Like I understand it somewhat with the, with the U18 team, but when you get these guys like, uh, mm, uh, often a say of that we've talked about a little bit as well, well on the rise from these USHL teams that are mostly filled with overage kids that haven't gone to college yet and things like that. You just, you wonder where the talent levels really are there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you get, you dig into this list and, uh, you know, Zach Jones, 88. Mm-hmm. And Zach Jones is a guy that I think could easily go in the second round. Yeah. It, down there, not USHL, but Spiridonov is a guy I really like in the second round as well. He's a Russian. And it's just... Yeah, he, I mean, uh, Dorofeyev's teammate. Yeah, exactly. And I you believe s- line mate for a while. Yeah, they, they kind of had a super line down there for a little bit. <laughs> but... But you see these guys that it just gets so quick how 
much teams differentiate their boards once you get into even the second round. Yeah, I mean, even really, probably once if we if you could compare a team's full board, I I think by the twenties you'd probably be shocked at how different yeah. they look. Yeah, I think even Bob said through the guys that he interviewed for it, one of them had Kaliev in the top ten, and one of them had him below forty. So, which I mean, that's totally which, fair. But yeah, well, and how you get that is organizations value different things. Yeah. They they look at the the prospects and they say, "Okay, what are the what are the skills that we constantly place emphasis on?" And it's funny that uh skating has been one that the Avs have been attached to so much because if you look at the high draft picks that they've had the last several years, um skating is not something that they've drafted. Yeah, high anyway. Makar, basically. Right. I mean, you look at Kout. They didn't have a second rounder last year, but I guess Sampo Ranta counts. But that's seventy eighth overall. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty you deep know, down the list. At that right. Point. Tyler Weiss at one hundred nine. At one hundred nine, like Ranta and Weiss are phenomenal skaters. But those are way down the list. There, you know, Martin Kout, sixteenth overall. They didn't draft him because of his skating. Connor Timmins drafted thirty second in twenty seventeen. They didn't draft him because of his skating. Tyson Jost, Cam Morrison, I could definitely assure you those two players were not drafted because of skating ability. If they were, it's time to fire everybody. <laughs> right. And I mean, even even going back into the, the great draft that was 2015, Miko Rantanen, you don't draft that guy because of his his ability, uh, his skating ability. That's not what they do. Kale McCarr is the only one that they've drafted who is a, who's a great, great skater. And he, obviously he's like a, a different level of skater, but when you're talking about what do you, what do teams actually value? Uh, it's, you can't really put skating on the list for the abs, which is one reason why I think the Kirby doc stuff has been overblown by his detractors in that. Sure. It's not a strength, but sure. It certainly fits a lot more. Uh, of what they've actually drafted in the last couple of years than going for a guy because of skating. Yeah, it, it certainly seems that the the love of skating comes in more as a factor of when it gets down to the nitty gritty, they'll lean on skating to maybe think on a guy that they could get to the NHL. They don't have to work on his skating. It's everything else. Yeah, and because they definitely, I mean, AJ Greer's a good skater. Um, even someone like Josh Anderson. Yeah, I mean, there's, if you're gonna say something nice about Josh Anderson, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Like for a guy his size, he's good on his feet. <laughs> so, so it, it seems like something they target secondarily, or at least something outside the top forty. Yeah, it's. I think I think it's it's an interesting conversation and when you do look at those you do look at the the big variants in a guy like you know, somebody the the organizations that have Kaliev um it's it's all about priority it's all about exactly what you're valuing as an organization and what yeah. you're taking away somebody's looking at Kaliev and saying and I think Kaliev is one of the true wild cards of this draft class I agree I, I mean, that guy, he could get drafted 10th overall by Vancouver, and I wouldn't even blink. Yeah, they, they could 
get drafted there and bust out completely, or he could get drafted in the second round and be a superstar. And I right. would be like, yep, okay. That dude that dude could easily go like 39th overall or something, and I'd be like, okay, I totally understand that. Yep. There's so much boomer bust to his game that it's, you know, what are you what are you valuing? You know, we were talking about the the value of safety with Dylan Cousins. It's the exact opposite with Kaliev. If somebody's going to go big on him, they have got to be very, very confident that they're correct. Yeah. Not only that, but you're putting a lot of faith in your organization's ability to develop a guy like that. Yeah, it's good luck. Whoever takes him, <laughs> no argument there. And if it's and if it's the Avs, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch because there's going to be a lot. I mean, that's a guy that'll show up at camp, and everybody that fun. yeah, everybody that shows up like just for uh, training camp is like, why isn't this guy on the team? <laughs> this guy's awesome. He's just going to roof every single shot at camp and wow everybody. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> he'd be a lot of fun in a training camp setting, just just watching him do his thing and do what he does well. You know, firing off one timers and such, and you're you're ooing and aahing and like, oh my god, who is this kid? <laughs> like, could you imagine him at dev camp next week just bombing one timers and oh, you're just like, oh my so goodness, nice. this is the greatest draft decision they've ever made. <laughs> And then you watch him in an actual game and you're like, oh, we might have a problem here. Yeah, it's a little bit of a different world when someone's trying to stop him, eh? Yeah, you when someone's within five feet of him. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the guy's he's he's more antisocial than I am. We'll say that. <laughs> On the ice, anyway. Uh, okay, Rudo, any, uh, any last thoughts on... The, the big Bob list reveal today and cause it's always a big deal. It's something we wait for every single year because he's nails. He's the yeah. best at this and he gets essentially, he gets 10 teams to be like, here's my draft board. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, if he ever wants to share how he manages to do that, what a skill. Right. Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> but just one other thing. We kind of touched on Cam York a little bit already. Yes. Really surprised that that many defensemen are above him. I know it's close. He's 18 and there's a couple right ahead of him. But yeah. But I see a guy like Thomas Harley. Man, do I see a lot of risk in someone like him. Yeah. And I think you mentioned it last segment. That's where you're looking at size. You're, I mean, yeah. even more at Cider. Kim York just had the most prolific uh, offensive season out of any DP defenseman ever. And that's a program that has produced a whole lot of defensemen in the last 10 years. Like, got to give that program credit. It churns out defenders. Yeah, it's a, uh, it churns out a lot of things. Uh, usually not quite like this year, but. Yeah, this is a bunch of freaks at the same time. But a guy, I agree with you on a guy like York that I think he's easy to take a, take for granted. And be like, oh, well, there's lots of those guys available now. Whereas last year, teams were falling all over themselves to gobble those guys up. Yep. This year, they're like, yeah, we did that last year, though. 
And now it's the, oh, let's go for the boomer bust that's six foot three. Right. Broberg, yeah. Cider, and Harley, all six foot three, where you're like, oh, okay. They're all they're all huge and they're all great skaters. This is this is that this is the NHL I'm accustomed to. Let's take <laughs> chances on all these guys. Yep. It's it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out, especially with the defensemen it's way easier to pick your favorite in that second tier and, and teams will, and they'll say, this is our guy. We don't care. We're taking him now. Yep. Yeah. And then Cam York and Billy Hinola are just going to be sitting there like, all right, well, we're just going to enjoy long NHL careers while those other guys don't. (laughs) Yeah, that's, (laughs) We know who your favorites are, then. <laughs> yeah, well, I think those guys are those guys are like tailor made for the I, modern day. NHL. I don't disagree and, with you. But. Like, I think Soderstrom is correctly ranked as the second best D in this class. So, uh, for me, I would I would have Soderstrom at two uh, behind Byram and York at three. Yeah, so. that's that's where I'm at. I'd probably have Cider higher than Broberg too, but <laughs> I would too. I'd have Cider. I'd honestly have Cider as my four. And then Hinola at five, and then uh, Broberg, and then Harley. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty close to mine as well. So, uh, and certainly not Vlasic. Yeah, a lot of lot of defensemen I'd have. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I would uh, also Ryan Johnson would be in there for me. I love Ryan Johnson. So and he, I have him where they have Vlasic, kind of. Yeah, he um it takes a it takes a lot of dreaming on Johnson to to get there. Yeah. But that's a conversation for the day when those guys actually get drafted if they're drafted by Colorado cuz we're not going to sit around and talk about Ryan Johnson if he gets drafted by somebody else. <laughs> um I think that's going to wrap it up for us today, man. I uh appreciate you coming on and doing all this draft prep with me. I'm excited for this week. Uh we've got a fun week planned um we've got a uh we've got another show in which we're going to talk about the americans a little bit more just because we may never see something like this again yeah and when colorado's up at the top of the draft and they're trying to figure out who to pick between all these different guys you know between turcotte and zgross and boldy well we're gonna talk about that we're gonna we're gonna break that down and then we're gonna do the old mock draft on thursday we're gonna (laughs) We're going to release our kind of our last stab at what we think will happen. And uh, we'll play be a, we'll play be a GM mode for all the teams. I think we'll probably do a, a full mock since we've been stopping at 16. It'd be fun to do a full one. If we have time, if not, we'll stop at 16 again. It's kind of yeah. where uh, it's kind of where the fun stops for us anyway, until 47 rolls around. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, it'll, it will be a lot of fun to to get the last thoughts in, and then finally we'll be able to break down the guys we actually have. Right, Friday we'll be able to be, we'll we'll talk about the players who were you know who was taken it for, not oh well why isn't it Bo and Byram and why are they focusing on needs and instead it'll be why it was Kirby Doc or Trevor Zegras or whoever it ends up being you know whatever. Uh, but that's that's what's to look forward to this week. Today we're we're done though, so we're gonna get out of here. It's the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We'll see you tomorrow. 
Are you thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip-top condition? How do you ensure you'll maximize your profit? If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything, from the contractors to the design, while managing these costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page, both at houselift.colorado.com, and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from 15 to 60k more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they will sell your home without charging a listing commission.